KPFA.org. in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3.30. Stay tuned next for Open Book with Nina Serrano. Welcome to Open Book, featuring literary dialogues with Nina Serrano. I'm your host, Nina Serrano. My guest today is Devorah Major, the third ex-officio poet laureate of San Francisco. Devorah Major was poet laureate from 2002 till 2006 and the first African-American poet laureate. In this 2006 recording, she shares what were then her newer poems. This brilliant poet continues to write. To find her latest work, go to devoramajor.com. Welcome, Devora Major. Thank you so much. I wonder what poems you brought for us. I brought a kind of mix from different books that are coming out forthcoming, mostly new work. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, and so I thought that one of the things I wanted to do was I brought one called On Issues of Aliens, Immigration, and Cosmology that I wrote just after the whole Arizona uh, mishmash. The book yeah. banning? Yes, and all of that. And and really thinking about what the word is, what alien means. <laughs> in all of its things and the fact that none of us are where we started out. So, one. Truth be told, we are all aliens now, traveling in outer space on our rocky, blue sea planet. Only a few of us stayed nestled in the belly of our ancestors' birthing on the lips of our mother's womb. All the rest of us have traveled to here where our heads now sleep, to where our children grow and flourish or wither and perish. But once we were all natives, long before the ones whose names we have forgotten began their trek, we were all natives, long before the ones who stayed stopped telling stories of we who had left. Eons ago, we had no questions about who was our kin. Everyone was related. Then we began to travel, turned each the other into opposites, becoming and creating aliens. We travel this planet near the edge of our dark, milky galaxy, rotate steadily circling one sun, ghosted by one moon, in concert with no less than eight planets. We revolve with and without each other, and sometimes meet meteors who whistle through stardust, creating sandstorms, lake beds, mineral deposits, and fossilized amoeba. And as we move past comets, flying past us, we see stars fall from the sky and marvel at being in the middle of all these galactic wonders. Thus we travel with and as aliens in outer space on this planet where we live. And everywhere we stay, we are surrounded by other voyagers like and unlike us. I know. I've always been an outsider amidst immigrants besides aliens, next to strangers, just like you. You've been listening to Devorah Major, reading from her own most recent work. Wonderful poem. What else do you have? Thank you. Well, this is another one. I actually, I don't have a book place for this yet, but this is called A Clap Clap Song for Han Ho Kish. And I was in Connecticut, actually, at a 
a Soul Mountain, which is a writer's retreat. And I was taken by Marilyn Nelson, who was the former poet laureate of Connecticut. It was her place to a museum in Connecticut. And I found out about Hannah O'Keeshe, who was a at the age of 12, she was convicted at 11. She was hung in 1786. She was of African and Native American Pequot descent. And I thought what it takes to hang somebody, and she was mentally, developmentally challenged, probably because of an alcoholic mother. So this is her poem, and they're all to nursery rhymes that we all knew. Lost child, lost child, Indian, black, Ghana and Pequot, marking your back, jailed, judged, hung from a tree, tiny legs dangling for all to see. Two. Your daddy, black, 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 was shipped out back, back, back. Your mama so red, so red, so red, was pushed way back, back, back. You were only four, 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 pulled from home's door, 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 intention and sold, 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 lost to ma forevermore, more, more. Three, one big girl, hair blonde, not red, took your strawberries, the lawyer said. You got mad and bashed her head. A sweet little angel, now all dead. Three white boys with big, big heads grabbed that girl and bumped her head. I didn't do it, you cried and said. I didn't make that big girl dead. Guilty, so guilty, the judge harshly said. A rope will go around your head. Your mama can't help you. You will soon be dead. You want our mercy? Your skin's too red. Wow. You know, I've heard that reading those children's rhymes and reading children's rhymes like Mother Goose to children is very, very great stimulus for them later being able to be poets. What do you think of that? Well, that's interesting because, of course, I grew up with all of those, too. I think there's something to that. It's funny. I mean, this is really one of those ridiculous things, but my husband and I were talking about cartoon shows we liked, and I said, oh, I used to love Rocky and Bullwinkle. And one of the things that they had was Bullwinkle, every little episode, read a poem, a real poem. With his moose, he'd pull mm-hmm, it out of the hat mm-hmm, and read mm-hmm. a poem. And I think that, yeah, I think seeing that stuff and understanding, because there's a certain magic in the rhythm and the rhyme and... It means this, but it means a little more. I remember once Jack Hirschman, as he was about to read a poem, mentioning something about reading a lot of Robert Louis Stevenson when he was a child, which I did too. And I think all of those things stay with us and and guide us later as poets, including all our capping clapping games and jumping rope and all that great stuff. I think so, too. And in fact, that's why I did it, because that's why I was, I was going, oh, Mary, Mac, Mac, Mac. You know, and I was like, oh, okay, wait a minute. But, but when I think about it, she was developmentally challenged. She was arrested 11 years old. I, now, I don't know that those clap songs were, but she was of an age where that's what we did when we were little girls. I mean, now girls, of course, are more sophisticated, and they give those sounds up earlier, but that's what we used to do, right? We spent yes. so much time doing clap clap songs as little girls, and I was like... And jumping. And, oh, and goodness. And ball bouncing, and they each one had their own little poem that went with it, their little chant. Oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that. You know, yeah, jump roping, and, you know, my name is Amy, my, my, yes. my, my husband's name is Arthur. We come from Alabama and we sell apples. Me, my name is Betty and my husband's name is Bob. We come from Britain and we sell bags. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what else have you for us? Okay. Oh, I brought one from something that Opal Palmer and Dee said. This is actually written by both of us. 
uh, we have a chapbook coming out from Artichoke Press, which is a little micro press this young woman in San Francisco does, called Incantations and Rites. And we decided to do two poems that we wrote together. And I am just... I just feel like writing together is like a form of torture. So I did it with, okay. So this one, I started incantations, and then she built it, and then we went back and forth for a while, and she started rights, and then I did it. So this one is ours that I started, although as it ended up, the first few words are hers. So this is actually written by both of us from uh, the chapbook that's coming out in May. Incantation. The drums call, our feet dance, dance. We are this place, the clay and salt, the river and sand of it, the seed and ash of it. We are sound, water, flesh, spirit. The rhythm guides us, our hands clap, clap. Our faces emerge from cresting waves. Our bodies unfold like tropical blossoms. Our fingers rise from desert dunes. Our feet unhurl from roots of trees, flush with the odors of honey and garlic. The sun dazzles, our eyes marvel. Marvel. We are so much more and so much less than this place, much more than we have invented, far more than we can imagine. We are sky opening, rock forgiving, wind eternal, earth parenting. The Orishas infuse our heads, observe, observe. We dwellers and exploiters who sleep on the land and till the soil, weave moon and stars into something we call tomorrow and future as the caretakers of this place. Give praise and rejoice. Sing, sing for this place that is us. Wow, you just heard Devorah Major reading a poem by herself and Opal Palmer. So, did this turn out to be torture, or was this, this in the actually end fun? turned out to be really well? I think Opal and I, but for two reasons: one, we've worked so long together, and we have a, a respect for each other's work. But the other thing, we did it by email. We didn't sit down with each other and do any of it. So. I did it and sent it off. She sent it back to me. I had some like global questions about the form of it. She had some global answers about look at incantations and there, th- these kind of things we needed to do rhythmically. So then after that conversation, I responded to her. She responded, you know, and and it was it really worked out well. And the same thing with rights where it was just uh, but it really requires well, I think life constantly requires this, but a constant setting aside of ego and just being clean with the work and what are we trying to do. And we already had the other poems picked out and somewhat ordered. So the first half incantations and pulling out the good and chanting for the world, you know, positive. And rights, really, it's death rights. And they're for all the young men that are either being killed by police officers and uh, security guards, vigilantes, but also the ones, actually the one I'm going to share for Jaquan, is for the black and Latin, not that other men don't kill themselves, but right now blacks and Latins really are cornering the market. And it's in the thousands, and by the thousands I mean of African Americans at currently it's running 8,000 a year that either kill each other or else they kill the grandmother, the baby, who get caught in the crossfire. And the numbers, that's staggering. That's more than have died in 10 years in Afghanistan. It's staggering. You know, so anyway, this is for Jaquan, but for anybody who hears this, put whoever's name on it for Jaquan. 
I saw you growing from round cheeked baby to shiny eyed schoolboy to streetwise teen. Holding your sister on your hip, trading stories with your friends, tossing one twin brother and then the other into the air as each laughed and wriggled. Still, I know little of you except for your keenness of mind and undercover smile, a certain gentleness despite it all, and your tall, lanky frame full of a dark energy never quite harnessed. But this poem is for you, Jaquan. So you will be more than a corner of a back-page news story, a whispered rumor, a nod to those who did not know you, a snicker from those who claim to know your kind. Because you were always more than that. Because you should be more than a bullet in the middle of your 17-year-old chest, a few blocks from your cousin's homes, from the streets where your father roamed and slang love and fought. Still handsome, they said when laid out in the polished white tuxedo and sunset orange shirt that you would have worn to your senior prom a few weeks away. Your people gathered, filled two floors to say goodbye, to send you on, knowing that what you could have been was infinite, given maybe just a few more years to steer in the right direction, to stride through these violence-littered streets on your brilliance. But from the day you were born, equal parts of cockiness and tender, deadly shadows painted everything waiting, lurking for you. Do you know, Jaquan, how many teenaged boys shot or stabbed or beat to death one another in this self-proclaimed bastion of freedom and justice since you died? It was more than a hundred, I will tell you that. Double that figure if we raise the ages to teen through twenty-three. And for we who say we love you, or we who say we care, for all of us who shake our heads, oh, what a shame, oh, what a shame, oh, what a shame. There is enough blame to go around. Everyone can take a bite of that humble pie. What were you but a promise broken, a future betrayed by those who knew you and by those who did not? We do not keep count of the fallings, of the failings. We scream out, the state does not love our children. Look at how it treats them. Look at how it kills them, renders them invisible. But what do we do to stop the killings of our children by our children? Who stands up for you and the thousands in front and in back of you? Instead, we speak of crime waves, homicide rates, and uncontrolled youth violence. We speak of more incarceration and gun laws and about how much we fear our young. Where is our outrage at this slow, corrosive genocide? Where and how do we carry our shame when we do little or nothing to stop it? We do not call your name, Jaquan, or the name of the hundreds like you, the thousands like you. We should do more for you and the dozens who died between the time I started this poem and the day you were buried. For you and the hundreds who will have died between the time I finish this poem and read it aloud. For you and the thousands who will die before this poem finds a stranger's hand. You're listening to Devorah Major, reading her original and more recent work. That was powerful. <laughs> Very powerful. What do you have for us there? This is called Tour of the Grounds, and this is a part of my peace series. I feel like 
after the war, what comes, after all the wars, after we figure it out enough to have peace, I think everybody has this kind of utopia. Oh, it'll all be beautiful. And I don't think that's true. I think there'll be problems. (laughs) But I think that maybe that one will be passed. So this is the tour of the war grounds and the thing that that we need to remember it. We need to always remember. We need to see peace and past peace and that we'll still be struggling and never forget. Tour of the grounds. We are nearing that place where the wild flowers will soon root again and the grasses break open their yellow seeds to climb up the rays of the sun. Look, already the birds return to the bruised and cracked branches of nearby trees, adding strips of singed khaki and glistening shell casings to the walls of their nests. Although these are the grounds of the newly dead, we can already see the day when their maimed and broken children will grow and birth their own children who will have children who will speak only in whispers if they speak at all of the hate, fear, and vengeance that we saw in the years of dark sunrises when lead and fire opened every dawn and stitched tight every night with a howling despair. In time, it will not be evident that this was the place where she was split open by bayonet and rifle and sperm before being turned to torch and pyre, or that it was here where he bled in a hot pulsing stream as he tried with one remaining hand to hold his intestines inside his ruptured belly. Or that over there, while some pled for mercy and others for redemption, most died weeping and afraid, hearing their voices become a surging tidal wave's moan, wanting nothing but release. Come, walk this earth with me. Fill your lungs with the fragrance of romance, nostalgia, and regret. Notice the dark evening timbers. Hear the splinter bone song that syncopates the dirge once sung on the grounds of the war's newly dead. And don't forget to hold close we dead. Let them brush against your cheeks and fill your nostrils as you lay in the once again verdant meadows and begin to break fresh bread. Wow. May that day come. Yeah. We've been 10 years. That's, yes. Exactly. You know, sooner rather than later. Sooner rather than later. This is called seasoned love because I have found in my seasoned age having salt and pepper in me, (laughs) that uh, it's a different love. Love can be silly when you're young. Not that there's not always silliness, you know, and that's part of what keeps us young, right? That, That kind of thing. But on the other hand, there's a truth to it that's a little different, at least for me. But I think that that when you're older, you know more. Beautiful poem. Beautiful poem. Thank you. This poem, which is called Love Chant for Greg, I was actually, uh, he had talked about, do you ever put a person's name in a love poem? You know, it could be for anybody. And I said, well, generally no, but people do, you know. And so I said, oh, I'm going to do that. And then I thought, oh, I'm going to do it a lot of times. I'm going to write a Sistina. 
Tell oh. us first what a cistina is okay. so that people can appreciate what you've done because that is really difficult. Okay, a cistina means that you have six line stanzas and you write your first stanza with your six end words, the last line. So in this case, the last words are name, Greg, unsaid, daybreak, birds, and whispers. And for each other stanza, there's a set order, which I can't tell you. You could look that up. But anyway, in a different order, each stanza used the same end words, which could get tedious. So you have to keep it interesting. But you are trapped in these words that you have to end your lines with these same six words till the last stanza, which has only three lines. And in it, you have two end words, two end words, and two end words. So it's very complicated. And I've never spent as much time because I was trying to get it right and get the rhythm and do all that and not bore people with, oh, I know what word's coming now. (laughs) So, love chant for Greg. You ask how you are to be sure if the poem that does not wear your name was written for you, who is so much more than the name pronounced as Greg. But things are seen and known at the center even if their truth is unsaid. You wrap around me, pull me close, seek me out each daybreak. We listen together to the warble and shock of morning birds. We call each other love names, ears open to their whisper. Love does not always crow. Sometimes it has to whisper, short of breath and eager with the rush of words besides your name. I do not know the nomenclature of the dark dawn singing birds. And as you have pointed out, my poems are not inscribed with the crown of Greg. But I am beginning to recognize those curious bird warbles of daybreak, patterned like our own chirping mornings with nothing left unsaid. We have both said and done ugly things that cannot be unsaid, raged and forgotten to listen to the darkening day's whisper. Separated by an ocean of bed, we have met daybreak, me mutely, you ever watchful, vigilant as the meaning of Greg. And one would have thought it was a witch's cackle instead of the song of birds that awoke us if we had slept at all with their raucous calls that never whisper. I once could name more than hawk and sparrow, robin and owl, knew of birds that flew the skies, remembered then so many names, now mostly left unsaid. So even if unwritten, these love poems hold no other name than Greg, which you should know as you have known my breath inside your ear as a whisper. Anyway, it still is true, all said and done, what really is a name except a name. Who we are is always what we find when the sun makes the day break. Even when the sky is thick with lead showing the grayest of daybreaks, even when the chill that nibbles our hearts is stiff in winter air, there are birds, and neither you or I or the woman next door knows all of their names. And does it matter that we speak of their song but leave their title unsaid? Or is what matters you and I in our trembling whispers? Is what matters the truth of my love and the mirror reflection that is Greg? Have you heard the young boys sing the chants that are Gregorian, songs of faith, a surety of moon at night and sun at daybreak? Sometimes inside the harshest storm, you can almost hear their whisper.
what a success. Wow. You can you can hear the work that went into that poem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it really is. But, I, you know, I've really found a new attention to forms. I make myself learn forms after so many years of being a free verse poet because I feel it just keeps making me stronger and you find so many interesting things out about language, what it can do or or what my own facility or awkwardness with language is because the freedom of free verse can become a trap. Yes. You know, you can do anything so you do do anything but what makes a poem is uh, what was it that Alejandro Murguia, in his poet laureate uh, address, he quoted a poet as saying, it's the perfect word in the perfect place or the right word in the right place, you know. And I think that's true. And I think that that's what forms demand of you in a way that you go back to free verse with that reality. And Sistina's, it's like, I've got to make this word interesting again. How can I, you know? It's so interesting that you were worried about making the word interesting because I this is the second time I've heard that poem and still I didn't feel like I was hearing the same words over and over. The thing about it is that well, one is that the hardest one obviously for me was Greg because it is what it is. Other ones like Daybreak and then I could make it two words day and break and you, you can fi- find it but that's I think the idea of the Sistina is to look at the kind of the multiplicity of meanings in a word and the nuance to it. And that's what a Sistina does is it really says, what can this word do? What can you, how can you make this one word elastic? And how can listeners read more of your work? Where can they find it? Oh, please buy my books. I would love it if you would buy my books. I have out right now, I've got Where River Meets Ocean and Street Smarts, and uh, you can find, but only online with More Than Tongue, because it was a limited, it's out of print, but it's still available some places online. And coming out with Opal Cants and Incantations and Rites, and uh, I'm all over the web. So is... Going to your website a good place? Going to my website. I'm at redroom.com slash author Devora Major. If you just remember redroom.com and you look up Devora Major, if you go to my web place, there's actually links and titles of my books, my novels, everything. And I've got to say, uh, writers we need, I buy my friends' books because I want to support them. And uh, read the work. Go to a library. That's a help, too. You don't always have to buy it because when libraries know that it's been, then they go and they buy more books. But really to support writers and support also independent bookstores, Marcus and Modern Times and places like that, that, that are places that do keep my work and other writers because we depend on them. Uh, you know, I'm way, way down the list at Amazon. You can get my books there, but, you know, I'm not in their selected books to look at, you know. And I think it's really important. I think it's really important. There's a lot of a lot of us independent writers very seriously, you know, really struggling and really trying to um, constantly get better. So you want to Google Devorah Major and check out her poetry and check out her novels. Thank you so much, Devorah Major. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. The same. Thank you for listening to Open Book featuring literary dialogues with Nina Serrano, a multimedia production of Estuary Press. You can go to my website, ninaserrano.com, and click on Radio, where you'll find other episodes of literary dialogues and other programs. Please subscribe to my blog so we can stay in touch. May you have a blessed afternoon.
Join KPFA for our next monthly movie matinee as we screen a time matrix. The movie? No, not the movie, but the one you're living in. If so, then hang out with your friends at the Full Circle. What's the Full Circle? Full Circle is a radio show written, produced, and directed by apprentices right here at KPFA. We'll bring you everything from the obscure to the obvious, the hidden and the blatant, as well as all things in between. So be informed. Hear about your world community every Friday night from 7 to 8 p.m. on 94.1 FM, where we'll serve you the red pill with love. Join KPFA for our next monthly movie matinee as we screen a timely film highlighting revolution, commercialism, and capitalism, The Hunger Games, the first in the trilogy based on a novel series by Susan Collins. In post-apocalyptic North America, 12 impoverished districts are forced, partly as punishment for a past rebellion against the state, to select a child to compete in a nationally televised event called The Hunger Games, where participants fight to the death until only one remains. District 12's Katniss Everdeen, played by Jennifer Lawrence, must weigh survival against love. The movie also stars Woody Harrelson and Donald Sutherland. So join us on Saturday, July 27th at the New Parkway Theater as we screen The Hunger Games with an after-movie discussion hosted by me, Janine Etter. For more information, visit kpfa.org or thenewparkway.com. KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 